So I am known as a, a prankster. I'm actually quite hurt because uh, the reputation went out. I get blamed for things I didn't do. Um, and, and some of them were horrible pranks, so I don't want to have the credit for that. Mine are, you know, top clock. No, okay, maybe not. Um, I've done quite a lot of things, and summer camp has been one of the best places to do that. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I ran summer camp, because who can you get in trouble when you're running summer camp? Um, little did I know I've had lectures from Jess. No, I won't do that again. <laughs> but I, uh, I remember the one year I was on crew, and we managed to catch uh, one of the barbel that's in the quarry. And this, this oaky was big. And uh, so we decided what to do with this thing. And we didn't want to quite release it back yet. Yes, I know I'm cruel. Um, so what we did is we tied an empty two-liter bottle to the, to the gut. And we went and placed the fish in the swimming pool. Now, if anyone's ever been to summer camp, you'll note that that, that swimming pool is basically river water. So you can't see the bottom of it, which was so much fun. Because as you were watching people swimming... You would just see this two-liter bottle going amongst them. And you're watching some of the girls like, what was that? And, and we proceeded later on. Uh, unfortunately, it got tortured. And Bible's not so great to eat. We eventually killed it and put it out of its suffering. And, uh, and decided this is you know, a waste. You know, we can't do this. So we waited till it was nighttime. And uh, the lights of the dorms were going out. Security so with money at people. And we proceeded to shove the fish through one of the girls' dorm windows. And we heard the screaming around. Being on crew, we ran around and went, what's going on here? <laughs> and one of the older, it was, was early days of summer camp. It wasn't when I, this last, last batch of summer camp. One of the BISA directors turned around to me and looked at me. Looked at the fish, went, you. <laughs> and I never forgot that one of my school teachers used to always say, boys, own it. You know, when you've done something wrong, own it. And, and it means confess, build up to it. And I want to jump into the book of James, and I've titled tonight, Own It. Now there's so much going on, and James is an incredibly practical book. He's not in contradiction with Paul. When you hear about him, he'll often turn around and say, your works, and it's almost about the way we act, our fruits, the way we deal with things should be in display. Our works should show who Christ is. Now, he, James is not, though you can sometimes, it seems like it, he's not saying that it's a gospel by works. By no means. Is he contradicting? Because we know that our gospel comes, salvation comes through faith, through, through faith, and that is in grace and grace alone. That's in Christ. So James is not in contradiction because what he's saying is truly because of the grace we've received, because of the mercy we've received, we should live this way. We should bear the fruits of this way. And so James 1 um, highlights with quite a few things, and he kind of starts off straight away. And uh, in verse 2, he even goes and says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And so he highlights here, and he's just saying that, that whenever you, he doesn't say if you're lucky enough to go through a trial. The assumption here is Christians 
are going to and will go through a trial. Now you've heard me quote this many times about Oswald Chambers. Well, Oswald Chambers turns around and says that if you're not going, in, if you're not in a storm, you're about to go into one. Oh, sorry, if you're not coming out of a storm, you're about to go into one. Now that's hard to hear, but isn't it true that we face so many trials, and we do that, and we have to consider it pure joy? Because why? Because God is involved and He's shaping us and molding us. He's working even in that storm. And I don't know about you, but in my Christian faith, often it's the storms that turn me closer to Him. Don't you experience that? Consider it pure joy. But I want to deal a little bit deeper because He goes in the midst of trials. This happens and it almost seems like James is, is kind of just jumping off and losing focus because he'll talk about this and then he'll shift focus a little bit. But I think there's incredible linkage here. Because sometimes when we face trials, sometimes when we face our hardest pressures, sometimes when, when we're at the place where we're exhausted, have nothing to give, often temptation comes along. I don't know if that's where you're at. A while back, and I'm ashamed to say this, but I, I need to confess this. I learned a line at summer camp, and it's quite, I mean, at, at uh, the BU assembly. Um, and as a pastor, I'm not perfect. If I was perfect, I'd have hair. Um, I've never forgotten that because that's very true. Um, and so I want to share this, not because I'm proud of it, but it made me realize. Now, I'm quite normally a passive person, and particularly with, with road rage, I don't really have that. I'll moan a little bit under my breath and, and, and do that. But I remember coming to a roundabout once, um, not so long ago. And as I got to the roundabout, as you want to go into the to the left, it's you, you're going to go into the left to turn into the right. The robot doesn't work as nicely as it should, and so there's often a backup of cars. And so you get guys pushing in to try to get into that very lane. And I saw my opportunity, now, roundabout, being British, I was, well, my parents being British, I was taught how to actually use a roundabout. Every time they moaned about South Africans don't know how to use a roundabout. Okay. And, and I knew giveaway right, the person had entered the roundabout before me, but I felt that he was going to cut through. So I kind of moaned at him and I hooted and, and uh, you could see they were angry and kind of swearing me in the car. And I was like, Rah! I didn't quite swear back, you know, but in uh, Christian, it was like, Lord, bless them and come for them soon. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and kind of dealing with this and this rage that came out of me, this anger that came out of me. I was actually wrong because they weren't actually cutting in. They were going to go left. <laughs> But because so many people before me had done it, I'm like, oh. and I was like, where is this actually coming from? Are you finding right now as pressures, as, as challenges have come in, that you're at a place where you're going, um, you're at a place where you're going, this rage, this anger, this, this look what others are doing kind of is coming about. And you're going, whoa. Where is this really coming from? And so we own it. We've got to say, this is what's happening. And so I want to jump into the word, and this is where we're going to deal with tonight, is from verse 12 in James chapter 1. 
And it goes on to say, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For he has stood the test but will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he tempt anyone. But each one uh, is tempted when, by his own evil desire, is dragged away enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like swifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that it might be the kind of first fruits of all he created. Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you are with us. Help us to be so aware of that. Lord, thank you that you know our hearts right now. Thank you know what's going on. So I praise you for that. In your name. Amen. So we see here that, that James highlights not only about trials, but temptations. And the kind of basis is here, when tempted... Just like trials, when you go through, whenever you go through trials, there's an expectation as Christians that we are going to be tempted. Do you realize that? Are we prepared for that? He's not saying, oh, some of you are going to be selected for this. But as Christians, as we walk out of here, are going to be tempted. Even some of you tonight, as I go on past that half an hour threshold, are going to be tempted to see what's going on on the phone. Okay? We're going to be tempted. Temptation itself is not sin. And I want to clear that up. Because we see Christ was tempted. Though he did not give in to temptation. And so we as Christians must expect this. So what does it kind of mean when it says that God does not tempt? Well, God doesn't have, doesn't do evil. We do, for we do not serve an evil God. So therefore, God is not sitting going, hey, let's see if they really do this. You know, um, saying to a three-year-old, check those holes in the wall there. Check how your fingers can fit right there. God doesn't do that with us. Yes, does Satan go to God and say, I want to test Job? God gives his permission. But he himself doesn't tempt and so it goes on, and I want to read Romans 4, uh, 14, verse 10. It says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we all stand before God's judgment seat, as it is written. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let's stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to be a stumbling block and an obstacle in the way of your brother or sister. So what do we need to do? Firstly, we need to own our temptation. We need to own our temptation. Isn't it so easy to turn around and say, Oh, so-and-so made me do it. Oh, because of COVID, I did. 
the devil made me do do it. It wasn't as bad as what others are doing. And so we start to justify our temptations. We start to justify our sins. Oh, look at what so-and-so is doing. And we start to shift focus on others. Oh, check what they're doing. Do you notice something? The minute we start pointing out what others are doing, often it reveals what we are doing. Or better still, it reveals our heart. And so we have to own it. We have to turn around and say, this is what I'm going through. These are the struggles that I have. And James uses this beautiful picture, and you'll see in this that he, he's talking about life, that it brings birth to death. Um, it's talking about this, this hook, this fish kind of basis. And so we see temptation comes, and we are expected as Christians, often sometimes in times of trial, in times when we are weak, temptations come. Temptations are used often as a basis of realigning our hearts. When tempted, and if we follow the right way and resist temptation, it draws us closer to God. And it makes us spiritually stronger. But here he's saying that this comes. No one should say that it is God that is tempting me. So in other words, no one should say it was so-and-so's fault. No one should be say that it, it was this person or it was this situation that led me this. No one should say that. But basically, we should be owning it. This is what he's saying. We should take hold of it. We should be saying, I need to work on this. I'm aware of this weak area. And so James highlights what temptation kind of does. And he brings in the first basis is that it brings, this temptation brings this desire. It works on the emotional side. Don't you feel like this? Don't you feel like God has abandoned you in this trial? Don't you feel that this has happened? Don't you feel that everyone else seems to be successful and have it going right? Don't you feel that, that everyone else has done this? And we find the emotional side starts to get worked on. And it starts to kind of build in. And it says here, but each person when tempted is dragged away by their own evil desire. This desire that comes. It's this fishing analogy which we did with the Bible. It's finding the right hook and the right, right kind of bait. Saying, hey, the desire is there. It comes. And Satan knows exactly what works for you. And what won't work. Dave could bring me McDonald's and try to tempt me with McDonald's. It wouldn't work. He knows very well Nando's would. He knows what that temptation is. So what's happening in the emotional side? Where are you really at? He's starting to wrestle. And we see Satan's tricks. Did God really say to Eve? It makes Eve kind of feel like God is holding out on her. God is holding back. You sometimes feel that emotionally. God is holding back on me. This is not working. This is not going. This is not taking place. And it moves on from this, this hook kind of analogy to deception. It's the right lure. It's really one of the commentaries, and he, he spoke about how they were, what bait they were using for fishing. And uh, he turned around and said what was, was, was surprising is when he found that they weren't successful, they went to go see what the other fishermen were using. And they were using marshmallows. 
because it was something different. And the fish were going, okay, well, we're so used to this. We're sick of this. We saw what our friend did. Um, but hey, check this. Mushy, gooey, watery, marshmallowy thingy. Imagine this. And so he moves from desire, from the emotional side, all of a sudden into deception takes place. When we start to move from the emotional, feeling like God's abandoned us, feeling like this is taking place, this, this is not, oh, feeling like I just can't, you know, trying to, trying to be a good Christian, trying to do this, I can't do this. When we start to justify it in our minds. Ever done that from the emotion? Do you want to see this at play? Well, tomorrow morning you'll see this at play when your alarm clock goes off. From the emotion, I don't want to get up, I'm too tired, to the mind going, five more minutes works. You can do this. Five more minutes is all you need. Had that? And so we move from the emotional to the intelligence side. We get enticed. We start to justify this temptation. We start to say, oh, you know what, it's not as bad as others. You know, it can, it's only this tree. You know, it's, you know maybe, maybe I've been sh- fallen short here. Um, and we start to justify it. And then from there, so from desire to deception, it moves to disobedience. And that is involving our will. Well, you know what, God? Just this time, I'm going to do this. Just this once, I'm going to down down on this route. Just this once, I'm going to do that. And we move away from the will of God to our will of our evil desire. And it hooks us. We're caught. We're grabbed. James says, it says, Therefore desire has been conceived. It's there. And it gives birth to sin. You see that? It's now at that basis. So where are you right now? I realize we've gone through a heavy, heavy year. And it's easy to kind of get caught up with what we think is good, but no, isn't really the will of God. We've got to kind of get to a place where we say, own it, God, I realize I'm going down this route that's pulling me away from you. God, I realize this is actually what is going on. We've got to own it and not be pointing out and saying, but it's this. Well, God, you led me to temptation. Because um, we see Adam doing that. It's the woman you gave me. But rather saying, God, Lord, this is what I'm struggling with. This is my weak spot. I really need to work on this. James kind of goes on, if this not worked on, sin always produces something. And the sad side is it produces death. And we see that. For the wages of sin is death. It produces death. And the sad side We often sometimes think our sin only has an impact on me. It never just has an impact on you. It always will have an impact on others. And we can just follow the the journey of the Israelites to see this. Sin doesn't just impact one person. It will always have others. And that consequence is death. So where are you?
right now? What are you struggling with? Well, own it and turn back to Him. Own it and turn back to Him, saying, it was me. This is what I'm going through. Now, I want to just quickly just take a pause and move around this. Because I realize when trials come, it's these, these turmoil kind of basis, where it sometimes brings us a base of kind of doubting who, who God is and His goodness for us. And so easily sometimes that's the kind of temptation that comes. Is God really good? Is God really who He says He is? Now I needed a lot of maturing to do before I could meet my, my future wife. God knew that. And uh, I had a lot of friends that got married uh, way before me. Um, when I say way before me, I mean way, way before me. Okay. Um, it's, it's William, I love him. When he turns around and says, you know, um, sorry, it wasn't William, it was another guy. He uses me as a testimony. He's saying, well, you got married very late, so I know that there's hope. <laughs> um, I, I praise the Lord. This December, I'm celebrating our 10th year wedding anniversary. Sarah is very long-suffering, um, uh, gracious. God makes me do premarital counseling to realize the things I need to continue working on. Uh, and, um, but I look at that. There were so many times where I was watching others, those romantic days, the Valentine's Day. In fact, I tried to start a whole coup kind of thing on Valentine's Day called Anti-Valentine's Day, you know. People didn't want to join me. I was going to throw eggs at the couples at Crest the Shopping Center, you know. It would have been fun, come on, you know. Um, you know, kind of like getting that place and I'd make joke about it, but there was a longing, a deep down desire. Lord, I really, ministry is lonely. I want to, I really want to find someone. And the temptation that comes to kind of settle, you know, just to settle. And I remember praying and there was a, a list of items that I kind of said, God, you know, this is what I'm looking for in my, in my future wife. And I believe these are God-honoring things. I, had the, the, I called it the, the godly wish, Dan's godly wish list and Dan's wish list. Okay, there were two separate things. I knew one area was a compromise and the other wasn't. My future wife had to have a call from the Lord because God had given me a call. Dan's wish list needed to be rich. Okay. And I remember the kind of opportunities where it didn't happen very often. Okay. Uh, it didn't happen often, but where a girl may have shown interest. I was very, very slow catching on on these things. And the temptation is there to go, well, Lord, I'm going to settle in this. And isn't that sometimes what we do with our sin when we're going through struggles and trials? We just simply turn around and say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to settle in this. And we're tempted to do that. We're tempted to find the shortcuts out of our trials. Lord, I'm just going to cheat on this one exam. Lord, I'm just going to... I'm just going to do this once. I'm just going to go out once. I know where they're going, but I'm just going to go out just this once. And we get to this place where we, we want to short out what God is actually doing. God uses those trials. Turns around verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres. Why? Because through that trials we are able to testify about God's greatness. 
The fact that God is using your very struggle. And God is even using that very temptation to point us back to Him. Why? Because He is giving the escape from that temptation. He's giving us the direction. He's sharing His will. His good will for us. So God has got something far bigger through this. Let's not fall short. Let's not miss this bigger picture. We need to own it. And so secondly, we need to own our view of who God is. We need to own our view of who God is. James highlights this. He says, don't be deceived. Verse 16, do not be deceived, my dear brothers. So don't fall down that route. Don't be caught by that hook. Don't get trapped on this thing that's going to bring to death. Don't go down that route. Why? Because every good and perfect gift from above is coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows and chose to give us birth to the opposite of death but chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be the kind of first fruits of all he created. So firstly that God gives good gifts. Now I've got Sarah's birthday tomorrow. I'm saying that so I don't forget. Okay. When my alarm clock goes off a lot earlier than it should. It's Sarah's birthday. That hunt to try to find that perfect gift. Anyone ever had that stress? Around? <laughs> Hoping you get it right and you watch the reaction and you watch whether it's been used or shelved <laughs> later on. But God gives perfect gifts. Why? Because He's perfect. God knows exactly what you need. Sometimes we don't. We think we do. But God knows that. You see that? God is giving good gifts. He talks elsewhere about being the escape, given as the escape from the temptations. And in the trials given as that can, that can sustain us. And we kind of see Paul calling out and saying, if I should boast, I'll boast in my weaknesses. Why? For God has been good. God has given the good gifts. And His gifts are perfect. Do you believe in that and trust in that? Secondly, His ways are good. His ways. Thank goodness that God's ways are not my ways. God had been preparing Sarah's heart way beyond before I had even met her. God knew exactly the perfect partner I needed in ministry. When I didn't. God's ways are perfect. And I've put in brackets on this, loving. Because God's ways are absolutely covered in love. What makes me say this? Well, we're about to go through our second time of going through the gospel project. Seeing how every single story in the Old Testament to the New Testament points to the cross. And today we're sharing about Ruth and Boaz. And I had the girl's interest because it was a love story. I had to make action stories for the boys later on. Um, but just reminded, here's this Moabite woman turning around and saying, I'm going to follow you. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. 
And God's going, you don't know what's going to happen. Three generations down from you is going to come King David. So many generations down from you, my son is going to come. And let's show it in love. I know how my people are going to reject me. I know how many times they're going to fail. I know how many promises they're going to break. But I have the way. I am the way. And that incredible love that God is making this path and this route for your life, even through the struggles, even when you've been tempted, even when this is all going on, God has got an incredible path for you. His ways are not our ways. Next thing is, He never stops giving. See the word here, coming? Isn't, isn't past tense? Doesn't say comes from, but it's it's an action that's continuing. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. God never stops giving. He knows what you need for tomorrow. He knows that struggle. And it's just coming and it's coming and it's coming and it's coming. Trust in Him. And then He never changes. Unlike the shadows or the lights that cast shadows on and how it moves, God does not change. And because He doesn't change, His love never changes for you. It's not based on our circumstances. It's not based on what we do. It's based on who He is and what He has done. He never changes. And in trials, when everything seems to be kind of swept up, and James uses the the analogies and the trials of the waves that keep on coming at us, and how everything seems to shift and move, and and how those that should be there aren't there for us, and, and how all of this is going, He is constant. He is constant for He never changes. So what does this say? His goodness never changes. So are we going through trials and temptations? We need to own it. But we also need to own our view of who God is. For God is good. He is great. He is one of a kind. He is loving. And He has died for us on the cross. And not just died for us on the cross, but chooses to use us. For He gives birth to new life. Through the word of truth. Through His Son and what He has done for us. Not based in what we've done, but in who He is. And so we will get lured. And we'll get to the temptation. And we need to own it. And as we own it, we need to view who God is. For when we have that right focus on who God is, I find we're able to fix our eyes on Him. We're able to become far more obedient. We're able to face through that temptation. Because we're able to cling to Him. If anyone does puppy school, one of the things you learn about is how to keep a dog focused and not get distracted. And one of the things you do is you keep eye contact with that pet. 
and you don't break that eye contact. Because when you break that eye contact, that dog easily gets distracted. Distracted. Woo! My friends are here. Okay. And it's that factor that we need to keep our eyes fixed on Him. So what's your view of God? Because we need to own the proper view of who He is. So yes, to finish off, we're going to face temptation. We need to own that. But when we face temptation, we need to remember who God is. And fix our eyes on Him. Let's pray. Father, I thank You. I thank You that You give us a way forward, that You are a good God that gives good gifts, not because of what we've done, but because of who You are. And Lord, we mean these trials, and as these trials come, as temptations come, it is easy to kind of get into the emotional side and feel, God, that you're holding out on us. It's so easy sometimes to run down these routes that we shouldn't be going. We're going to places that we shouldn't. At the time when kings go to war, where's David? On the rooftop. And we sometimes find ourselves on those very rooftops. Lord, help us to remind us that you're a good God. That when it's not the easy route, when being on our knees and it seems very lost, last hour, may we keep clinging to you. May we keep trusting in you. For knowing that you have got the perfect plan. The perfect purpose. Help us to have a will that is after yours. So Lord, as we, where are we at? Whatever we're in. Lord, may we just get back to our basis of saying, sure. This is the good God that loves me. That died for me. I want to see what he says. Let me call to you. And so we pray this in your precious name. Amen.